0: Most men are in search of peace in their life. Uh, they're in search of equilibrium in their life. They're in search of a place of contentment without all the pulls and pushes of the elemental world and without all the conflicts that exist within the elemental world. In the same way that volcanoes erupt on the earth, and hurricanes and typhoons pass over the earth. And tsunamis come from the ocean onto the earth and all cause great disturbances. In the same way, internally, we are all subject to the same elemental forces that the earth is subject to. And in the same way, the weather forecaster comes on television and talks about what's going on on the outside. We should probably, once or twice or more a day, check and see what's going on on the inside and forecast to ourselves where we're heading and what's about to come upon us that's going to take us into certain directions. Now, if you're watching the news or listening to the news and they forecast a flood, one of the things that you're told to do is leave the area. And there are evacuation routes to get out of the area. If they forecast a tornado, you know to go into the basement and to protect yourself from the oncoming tornado. In the same way, when we have internal turmoil, we have to know what to do to avoid a direct hit. We have to know what to do to remove ourselves from the oncoming onslaught of elemental disruption. Well, what do you do? And how do you do it? If you can create a gap between yourself, and the disruption. You've given yourself time to do something. So, if a flood is coming, you get in a car, and you create a gap between you and the flood. If a... tornado tornado is coming, you go in the basement to create a gap between yourself and the tornado. If a hurricane is coming, um, you may go into a secure shelter to get away from the wind and from the storm. Likewise, when internal agitation comes, you need to create a gap so that you can Find a safety valve, a safety net, a way to escape what's coming. And you have to know how to prepare for this. Well, what creates the gap is patience. Patience says, give me a minute. Patience says, stop and assess the situation. Patience says... What's coming, why is it coming, and what can I do about it? Patience gives us that momentary gap to put up defenses for what's going on on the inside in relation to the kinds of things that go on on the outside. So patience is two things. It's a, an ability to stop, time, the progression of the elemental forces for a moment so that you can get your wits back about you because most of us do realize that what happens when the internal elemental forces it, uh, go out of whack, uh, we lose control and we lose consciousness. So we allow things to go on that if we were actually thinking about them, and if we were actually in a different place of consciousness, we wouldn't allow them to occur. But we somehow have not separated ourselves from the internal combustion so that the internal combustion becomes what we portray, even though it's not what we are. So, to be able to separate from internal combustion and remain what we truly are as opposed to what that makes us be is called patience. It's this intervening force that combats elemental disturbance so we have been given a tool by god to combat internal elemental disturbance it's called patience it's it's the ability to be able to watch an elemental disturbance and not be attached to the elemental disturbance simultaneously when a typhoon occurs or when a hurricane occurs or when a <clears throat> tsunami occurs we don't think we're the hurricane we don't think we're the tsunami we don't think we are the tornado externally so when they happen internally we shouldn't think we are those things either either and By being able to realize that we are not those things, then those things lose their power. They have no effect. If a tornado is on an open plain where there is no housing and there are no people for hundreds of miles in every direction, and the tornado hits, nothing happens. And it doesn't get reported because it didn't have impact. If we're able to separate ourselves in the same way from that onslaught and just look at it but not fight it, there's nothing to report. There's nothing to become involved in. There's no Impact. There is no occurrence. There is no eruption. It takes time to be able to understand that we have an emotional self that is governed by elemental forces that somehow get out of control, and that this emotional self is not a true reflection of who we are, but rather a display of elemental forces within ourselves that have gone out of control. Now, if you can realize that anger is fire, that other forces within us are wind, other forces within us are water, And if we realize that when these forces within us, which have other names, come together and disrupt our being and take us from a place of repose and a place of contentment and a place of peace into a place of uproar and unsettledness, if we realize that, and when these things occur, if we can remove ourselves from the impact that those forces have on us, our life will become different. And if we can do it regularly, our life will become different on a long-term basis as opposed to getting out of the way once. Now, just because we've gotten older, and just because we've gotten out of the way once or we've gotten out of the way twice, doesn't mean we can continuously get out of the way, unless we continuously practice patience. Unless we continuously realize that patterns that we've had in the past will repeat themselves, unless we recognize those patterns and create a distance from the pattern so it can't get Catch up with us. We need a fast car to escape a flood. We need an agile thought process, wisdom to escape a flood of emotions. An emotional outburst has sometimes been described as riding in a carriage. And then it's time for the driver of the carriage to take a lunch break. And instead of eating lunch, he goes into a bar and gets drunk. And then gets back in the carriage and starts to drive. Now the carriage is out of control. And you're sitting in the carriage. And you're being taken for a ride. Well, we... As passengers in a carriage, have to be very cognizant of the state of the driver of the carriage. And if the driver is drunk, get off the carriage. Refuse to go further. Every time you stop, impose a breathalyzer test. Don't go along for the ride, But if we're used to going along for the ride, and we find the ride thrilling, and it somehow gives energy to parts of us, our lower self, that enjoy the ride, in other words, enjoy being abusive, enjoy arrogance, enjoy anger, enjoy lording over people and um, enjoy all of the things that an army that is moving forward enjoys as it's conquering things. If we are connected to those kinds of things, we aren't going to move out of the way. Because there's a thrill to the ride. Now, the truth is... That we have to change the thrill that we get from the ride of the Nafs to the ecstasy that comes from escaping the Nafs. And unless you are in the midst of someone who can explain that to you, you'll never know the difference because you don't know that something exists other than the roller coaster. You don't know that something exists other than the Ferris wheel. You think in order to be able to have an exciting life, you have to be in the amusement park. And the world is the amusement park. But there is a life outside of the amusement park that is much more subtle, and much more invigorating than anything the amusement park can do for you. But this life isn't advertised, and isn't readily understood, and isn't readily shown. And the amusement parks change as we get older. Uh, Up to maybe fifteen, you go to the amusement park. After 15, you begin to sneak into bars, and that becomes the amusement park. Uh, There are lots and lots of amusement parks um, that are continuously created that satisfy our lower self. And we have to understand that keeping that lower self satisfied and satiated is actually a full-time job. And you're either going to be doing that full-time, or you're going to be trying to escape from that full-time. The nafs are like a dog, a voracious dog, a dog who wants what he wants at that moment. And a dog like that takes some controlling and a subtle understanding of the dog's nature in order to control him. So, instead of giving the dog all of its food at once, you give him a little bit. And you begin to wean him from his nature until he begins to understand that he can't get what he wants from you. The prophet was asked if he had nafs. And he said that he did. But all of his nafs have become Muslims. So we have this training process that we have to go through with ourselves. But there's not just one of our self in the beginning. There are thousands of ourselves. We're all multiple personalities. We all have thousands of different likes and different needs. And each one of these has to be found and satiated, and when its head arises, has to be taken care of. And the only way that we can actually do this is understand the difference between right and wrong, in a very subtle and profound way. And we have to have the patience to instill this discipline on ourselves slowly over time, until we begin to get satisfaction from the ecstatic reality that is unending and without limit. And until we see that, and until we begin to spend more and more time there, we still have to impose discipline on the parts of ourselves that tend to want to escape and go wild within the world. So slowly, we become more Real by making the separation between ourselves and our lower self greater and greater and greater. Making the separation between the influence and our true self, the influence of our lower self and our true self greater and greater. But before we can do that, we have to find out what our true self is. We have to understand the nature of our true self. And the prophets have come to explain that to us. The Katubs have come to explain that to us. The walis, the friends of God, have come to explain that to us. And in a few words, our true self is that portion of our self that abides in God's qualities. That is God's qualities which is inherent in every one of us. And all of these worldly things and these worldly difficulties have been grafted onto our true self. And part of it is because we are elemental in nature within the world. Our body is elemental. And we have all of the destructive tendencies of that which is elemental. If you look at any carbon-based live uh, entity, you will see that it decomposes over time. There is no live entity that is made up of the elements that exists forever. Well, that fact creates fear within the living entity. That fact creates an instability within the living entity. And to overcome that fear, there has to be a surrender to the faith of the ongoing process of the soul and where it goes to, and a belief system. That this worldly life is not all there is. A man walks into a wise man's house, and there's nothing there but a little chair and a cot. And the man says to the wise man, Where's your furniture? And the man, the wise man turns towards the man who just walked in and said, Where's your furniture? And he said, I'm just walking through here. And the wise man looks back at him and says, Me too! <laughs> If we're constantly looking for furniture, we are in a misplaced situation. We're trying to furnish this world that's not furnishable. We're trying to create a permanency within a situation that isn't permanent. We're at cross-purposes with reality. We're trying to make this journey that we're on into something that it isn't, into something that is our hallucination. And as we attempt to make a life out of a hallucination, it constantly falls apart. We become emotional about the fallings apart. We react because of the fallings apart. And we become Unable to deal with it, sometimes momentarily, sometimes for expanded periods of time. So we have to change our outlook. We have to surrender to the reality of our existence. And only through understanding the reality of our existence do we receive the reward that is truly ours, the inheritance that is truly ours, which are God's qualities. Imagine, God is merciful, and he allows you to feel mercy. God is compassionate, and he allows you to feel compassion. God is love, and he allows you to be in a state of love. And what is a greater gift than being in a state of mercy, compassion, and love? What is a greater gift than walking through life with mercy, compassion, and love? Can all the gold in the world supersede that gift? Can all of the gems in the world amount to more wealth than having that gift? How many people are incredibly wealthy, yet they have no because they're afraid of the state of their wealth and holding on to their wealth. And they're constantly paranoid about losing their wealth. Why? Because their, their wealth is material-based. We need to find and understand that we are something else than the material-based atom based, visually seen world. There's another world of the unseen. Mercy isn't seen. Love isn't seen. Compassion isn't seen. These qualities don't have weight and substance in the way material things have weight and substance. Their weight and substance is different and defined differently. And when we understand that weight and substance, and we are able to integrate with that weight and the substance of love and mercy and compassion, we become something else. And if it is our intention to become that something else, we have to overcome all of the elemental forces inside of us and outside of us. We have to overcome all of the elemental influences inside of us and outside of us. We have to overcome all of the elemental needs outside of us and inside of us. And to do that, we need to create a gap between ourselves and all of those elemental needs. One of the descriptions of that gap is patience. It gives us the time to be able to look and see reality, to be able to look and see what is actually important in our life and what is temporary. We have to stop making choices about the temporary portion of our existence and start making choices that have to do with the eternal portion of our existence. And to do that, we have to tune in to the internal portion of our existence. The radio dial goes a long way. Most of it is the temporary portion of our existence. We have to tune in to that one resonance that is the external the eternal portion of our existence but all of the elemental noise stops us from going there we become distracted we become pushed to one side or another we become too active within those elemental things our jobs the 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 differences between high and low being respected and not respected, uh, being looked at appropriately, our, our own pride, our own arrogance, our own sense of self-worth, has so much to do with the way we're looked at and the way we are perceived within the world. So we perceive our perceivers, and the ones that we perceive perceiving us, if we perceive that they don't perceive us directly, we're influenced And all of a sudden, our emotional, elemental forces are totally out of whack. Because we're paying attention to things we have no business even thinking about. We have to limit the range of our involvement with things and with the world. And as that focus narrows and narrows and narrows, the world loses its appeal to us. And it's influence over us. As long as it appeals to us, it will influence us. As it appeals less and less to us, it influences us less and less. I was hosting Bawa at our home at the shore. And I had an itinerary of places to take him and things for him to see. And one of the places I wanted to take him was to a bird sanctuary uh, along the coast. And it's a beautiful place. And there's usually, well, during different seasons there's a lot of different kinds of birds. There. And uh, I told him about the itinerary of things to see. And the, in, in, in Tamil, the word tambi means little brother, and he often used to call me Tomby, And he said to me, "Tomby, I have no interest in these things. <laughs> but, for the sake of the children, we'll go on the trip. Because they may have some interest in these things. And that was the point. He didn't need an itinerary. He was already there. There was nowhere to take him. We've always got somewhere to go. There is nowhere to go. You are already there. (laughs) Realize it and be there. Be there. The interesting thing about pilgrimage is that you have to take yourself with you. So no matter where you go, you're still taking yourself with you. And if where you are is attached to the elemental forces and the elemental nature of the world, you're going to still continue to be in the same place you were or are no matter where you travel. It's only when there is an internal change that we change places. It's only when there is an internal change that we can truly do pilgrimage. The pilgrimage, even though there is an external aspect to it, is an internal alteration of things. And once we understand that, then we can truly perform hajj. Then we can truly perform the pilgrimage, going from the elemental world to the world of Hak, to the world of reality. May the world of reality become open to each of us. May it be the place where we all reside. Amin, amin, Yarabil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.